it was sort of thinking about my um, my grandfather's experience and researching that and coming across this story um, in history that hadn't ended well for the couple involved. And I thought, I want to write them a happy ending. This podcast is brought to you by Rebecca Castles of the Rising Dawn series. Do you like violence? Do you like smut? Are you tired of the stereotypical novels of werewolf romance out there and want something a little bit different? Then pick up Sparked Revolution, book one in the Rising Dawn series by Rebecca Castles. Available on Amazon, in Kindle and paperback. You too can become a sponsor of Stories of True and the Fictional by heading on over to buymeacoffee.com slash sttatf or follow the link in the show notes. Hello guys and welcome to another episode of Story Chat. Uh, Today we have a guest that I know. Uh, My mother and my sister will be watching this episode for the first time. This will be the first time they watch this podcast that I've been doing for two years. What? They, they don't actually listen to it every week. We're up to like 110 episodes. Jeez, where's the support and the love? Come on. I'll be having I'll be having stern words with your mother next time I see her, Jamie. Yes, they they acted super excited. I wouldn't be surprised if they're hanging outside my window right now, ears pressed. Oh, I just heard a tap on the door. So yes, they are. Um. Jennifer Mist Morgan, thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks to your mum too <laughs> and to your sister. It's great to be here. Um, just before we dive into these icebreakers we love to give to everyone. Uh, yep. For those that don't know, so not my mother, not my sister, not me, uh, who is Jennifer Mist Morgan? <laughs> What a what a question! I, I as as everyone uh, contain multitudes, but um, I'm a writer of um, historical uh, romantic historical fiction set in and around World War II, and I've just released my debut novel um, called Heart in the Clouds. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I I, I write fiction. Um, I write fiction by night. By day, I uh, am a content and copywriter. So I do sort of writing for hire for, you know, whoever needs it during the day. And then by night, actually by very early morning, I I, I type out the creative words um, for my 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 stories. Yeah. Awesome. So have you ever have you ever had someone's work that you've looked at and gone, you know what? This looks pretty cool. I might say, no, this doesn't meet the current copyright standards, steal it and then put it in your own work. No. (laughs) You can't, no. Okay. There was a dramatic pause there. Um, So I'm going to say no, wink, wink, just in case any of them were listening right now. I, uh, I've certainly read a lot of books that I've gone, oh, I wish I could write like that. (laughs) Is that is that why you got into writing? Is I know we're probably, as I said, I mentioned we'll go off script, but is that sort of you know having that kind of job and and having to read so much of, of different people's work? Is that kind of what got you into you know what I could, I you've you've read some and you know what yeah I could blow these out of the water or I I would really like to do that and is that kind of what got you in there? Well, I think I'd say that I've kind of always been a writer, so I in the mm-hmm. sense that. 
Like I've just always thought up stories and made up stories. And then throughout my kind of study, I learned how to technically write those stories. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then the kind of technical writing kind of skills. And then I thought I want to also make up my own, I want to make up my own stories and have complete creative control, if that makes sense. So I've always read a lot. I think like most people who are in that, you know, the creative space, we enjoy reading a lot and yeah. thinking about history and stuff like that. So um, that's always been part of my story reading and stuff like that. Um, but I was actually a voice and dialect coach for uh, 10 oh, wow. years before I turned myself to writing. So I like to say that I've always uh, worked with words and wrangled words, but it started off actually being spoken words. So I would teach okay. accents and dialects or um, teach actors how to um, use their voice effectively when they're performing. And, yeah, uh, then then I moved on to written words a little bit later. That's, that's, that's almost like like historical in, in the sense that we used to have a culture of verbal... Um, you know, everyone sharing around, talking, 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 and then we thought, hey, let's write this down, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And when you marry the two, like, it's really, really exciting when you get um, you, you get text that is uh, written to be spoken sort of thing. There's a, there's a yeah. very exciting um, moment when when you get a text that's written to be spoken and then it's spoken well and, and it sort of gives you goose pimples when that moment happens, I reckon. Yeah. Well, sorry to disrupt the flow of everything. That was my fault, Jamie. I apologise. No, you know what right. happens. But no, I know. No, no. I just um, yeah, I jump in and and when I see when I when I see an opportunity, I'll take it. So thank you for answering that. I really appreciate that. Just... Well, oh, let's let, let let's crack into these icebreakers. The the, the I... fun questions. Um, yes, I believe we've had thirty different answers to these questions. Some similar. Uh -huh. Yeah, we've yeah. had thir thirty okay. over thirty interviews. So, statistically speaking, and, and do <laughs> do be aware if you do come back on, Jennifer, we do have we don't just give you the same questions again. So we're not making it easy for you. We oh, do excellent. have but we have extra ones and then extra ones and then extra ones and then no. yeah. So yeah. there's there's only two uh, sets. There's only two sets so far. So far. Okay. So, so far. if you make it onto the show three times, then you could be, you know, having to. Oh, we don't know what's going to happen then. We do. It's chaos, <laughs> butterfly effect. Anything can happen. I think that's one of the four signs of the apocalypse. If someone makes it onto our <laughs> podcast for a third time, so there we go. But um, no, let's mix it up, okay. Jamie. Why don't you take the first one? Oh, are you sure? Because the third question is your favorite. Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, oh, I, I'm, okay, look, okay. I'm I'm an equally Equally caring podcast partner and sharing <laughs> the, the love around. So that's fine. Okay. Awesome. Are you ready? I am ready. I am. That wasn't the first question. Oh, okay. Just to <laughs> let you know. Yes, uh, are you ready? Okay, question one. Yes, she is okay. ready. No. <laughs> if you could get rid of one thing in the world, what would it be? Household mould. Okay. Now, that might sound like a boring <laughs> answer and the answer I'm sure perhaps, there's a story behind it <laughs> of a 40 something year old mother that might sound like that kind of answer but I feel like once you start talking about messing with you know just getting rid of one thing yeah. like you might you you're gonna mess up the system somehow yeah. right 
I yeah. don't feel like with household mould, which is the bane of my existence, which I would just like to not exist and obliterate. And I feel like if I were super, a superhero, household mould would be my nemesis, you know. <laughs> um, I I don't feel like that's going to cause any unintended side effects and I think everyone will be happy. So that's what I would get rid of. I like it. Um, unless like in the it. Process- and you know what, I'm... I'm- I'm I'm tired of people going oh world peace and all this kind of stuff. I'm like give it give us your political answer. Yes, now we all know that you know you you want to do the right thing. Um, yeah. you know, but I mean if someone asked me that question, I'm not going to say world peace or anything like that. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to be selfish and say something that affects me. So I can I can I, respect that. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm I'm if I feel like if I say I want to get rid of all war or something, there would be an unintended consequence of that. Yeah. Like, and I would oh, be causing more trouble 100%. down the track. I mean, that, that's, that's straight from community. You know, they said, <laughs> yeah. I, I wish to get rid of all wars. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. All wars? No Star Wars? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's always something to think about. <laughs> you got to think exactly. about these things. Yeah. And I reckon with mold, you're set. No one's going to be hurt. I like anything. that. Yeah. And who, who likes mold? No one likes mold. Just, Bugger it off and, you know, make our lives a bit easier. Hate it. Yeah. All right. Well, question number two, what is something on your bucket list? I would like to hike over the Pyrenees from France into Spain because I'm not like I wouldn't. I wouldn't put myself down as like a super sporty person or or anything like that. So I do love a good walk. But that route from France into Spain during World War II was an important escape route for mm-hmm. uh, World War II, for airmen who had been, been downed in um, uh, occupied Europe and they would sort of be smuggled across France down to the Pyrenees and then they would make this journey in summertime when it wasn't too cold. And uh, I would, I'd like to do that in tribute to, to them. There was also a really sophisticated like ring of women, women who, uh, and, and men as well, but um, women a lot of the time who helped to smuggle the men down to, to the border. So, yeah, I'd like to do that in tribute to them. I think that's a. I think that's a really good answer. I have a. Uh, I know. I have a, a friend of mine who I used to work with. She um, does the Kokoda Trail every yeah. couple of years. Um, really. She does it. She just started doing a podcast after I gave her a bit of advice, and um, she yeah she she tries to get over there once every two to three years to do the the Kokoda Trail, and yeah she same same kind of thing. She's like it's so rewarding to to see how vital and how how people's lives were in this case they were saved but obviously there was a lot of we know about the Kokoda Trail a lot of guerrilla warfare and stuff like that but she said it's just it's something about it that it just it just touches you it touches your heart and it to know what these people went through going down this trail and this terrain uh for us to you know for for essentially to save their lives and and to get out of a a war and I can I I think that's a, a really great answer yeah, yeah. It's a neat, it like I yeah, pretty. It's a pretty phenomenal kind of a pretty phenomenal journey, and and hmm. that's been made by remarkable people. So yeah, it would be 
cool to walk in their footsteps, I think. Oh, definitely. 100%. All right. Um, now let's laugh with some sitcoms. Uh, oh. <laughs> in, your, in your opinion, what's the greatest sitcom ever made? <laughs> I feel like this, I would like, I would like it if there was like, if I could name my top three or something like that in this case, but yeah, I will I, give you. I, I, I think, I think let's, I will allow it. And you will allow <laughs> because there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I mean, you've got to think there's a lot of, a lot of comedy, a lot of history um, in, in the times that we're in now. So I would say definitely top three for sure. Okay. Go okay. For well, it. okay. So um, I'll go, I'll go from the runners up first. I think the runners up for me would be, um, the American office because yep. uh, genius and <laughs> yep. uh, on lots of different levels and can watch it over and over and over again. Yeah. And um, just also I think it was super clever to take something that was really brilliant in the first place in terms of the UK office, but then spin mm -hmm. it around, make it your own and make it this hugely successful kind of show. I think that was pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, I would uh, put uh, you, uh, sorry, um, community in there as well because mm -hmm. I think yeah. Yeah. I love community and I like never felt the ridiculousness of it and the pop culture mm -hmm. references and the, mm -hmm. how much fun they must have had doing it makes me happy. Um, and then I put Utopia in there as the Australian kind mm -hmm. of entry. Yeah. But the greatest of all time for me would be uh, Yes Minister, which is really old okay. now. Oh, wow. No, I don't remember that. But it holds up like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> as someone who's yeah. working in Canberra now, um, I can see it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's gold still. Yeah. I have to say that's, that's for the first answer that I've had that I haven't actually that's the first. The, I've seen Utopia. I love Utopia. I love, yeah. um, you know, I love all the traditional Australian ones like Frontline and all, all those brilliant working dog, um, uh, and shows we got. But I, I've never actually seen Yes Minister, so, um, I might have to check it out. I've heard, yeah. we keep hearing rumblings of it, but it's getting a bit of a, uh, it's getting a bit of interest in my head. So, yeah, I don't know. Like it's pretty old now. Um, I reckon. Um, yeah. but. It ended and the year I was born. Yeah, there you go. Oh, wow. <laughs> that so is really old. <laughs> You'll have to find it on VHS somewhere. <laughs> oh, I have my ways. I have my ways <laughs> of finding things. Yeah. I'm sure the BBC will play it or something, but it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, the bureaucracy <laughs> is um, never goes away, despite how old okay. the show is. Yeah. I have to check it out, but no, the office again. <laughs> office is definitely one of my favourites. It's in my top two. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the actors we got from it, we got Steve Carell, we got Jim, Jim, John Krasinski, who's one of my all-time favourites. Um, oh, you know, Ryan Wilson. Um, so yeah. many different amazing, and, and the fact that you have to watch it on DVD now because the streaming services are pulling episodes because you just can't get away with that kind of stuff anymore. Um, yeah. is, is a sign of a good show. So <laughs> that and Scrubs are the two that I own on DVD, massive collections, because they're like Jamie will know that Jamie Scrubs being one of Jamie's all time favorite. The music is just not, mm. it's not the same unless you're watching it on DVD yeah. because on streaming, they just don't have the rights anymore or something like that really? isn't it they had to re um do all the music for streaming yeah. 
and oh, and it's you, all the time. And you can tell you're going, this is mm-hmm. <laughs> Wow. If you watch really it on if you watch it on Disney Plus, um and, and then you if or if you've got it on DVD, there's a massive difference. I, I would definitely recommend it if you've got if you can get it on DVD mm-hmm. to check it out on DVD rather than watch it on Disney Plus. Really? Okay, because Scrubs is one that is on my kind of list of people have said, oh, yeah. I try and track if you it like down. This and this. Yeah. I bought the I bought the whole collection, all nine seasons, for I think forty dollars. So it's not outrageously <laughs> expensive. Eight seasons. Eight. Uh, if you, yeah, Jamie doesn't like the last season, but oh, really um, controversial. It's not outrageous. But yeah, the office is the same. They've taken out um, I think at least six episodes from streaming in Australia. Hmm. Yeah, the Chris Rock the Chris Rock episode is no longer available on. Where where um Michael Scott does Diversity the impression Day? of Chris Rock in the first season oh, Diversity Day yeah really? they took that out because it, yeah it's just kind of racist <laughs> but yeah <laughs> it's just uh, it's one of those shows that you you know you, because it was set a while ago you and people the way that the, the current political temperature is with people and how sensitive mm. people are they just people don't they don't want to take a chance with it so yeah. uh that's another one i do own on um <laughs> dvd and that is the only way i will ever watch it because it's the only way you yeah. can get the full experience yeah interesting so, yeah i did notice they've taken away the dungeons and dragons episode of a community on really? the streaming service yeah, yeah because of the because of the um oh. the, black, the blackface elf yeah. elf 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 yeah. i yeah. will say yeah it, it's um uh, uh, ken jong ken jong's yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. come on. But that's a whole yeah. other podcast. We won't, yeah. we won't. like, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I can go on for about 75 years about that. But, yeah, look, <laughs> Community is amazing. What they do with those floors, the, the yeah. lava episodes and the, the you know, the uh, it's just uh, I was lucky enough that I discovered it when I think there was already five seasons out. So I got to enjoy all of it. Yeah, I didn't have to yeah. wait for it. Yeah. Um. And mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's just it's it's a rewatch. We can I could watch that over and over and over and again. Yeah, me too. And just the um, uh, I discovered it in the same way. And I think season four was dodgy. Um, but I would uh, I just binge watched all the way through to yeah. season five, and then had to wait with everyone yeah. else. So I yeah. feel like uh, six seasons in a movie, I can um, I can totally get behind the movie when it yeah. comes out. We, uh, oh, hundred percent. We actually had um, a guest on the podcast about a year ago who's a comic book writer, and he yeah. worked on a comic book with the guy that was uh, Abed was named after. Yeah. Like, so the the real Abed, who apparently is nothing like the character at all. They just took his name. And, <laughs> you know, but he's still named after the... Oh, but before cool. we move on to the next question, I will oh. give a shout out to a, a sitcom that I'm watching at the moment for probably like the 50th time. It's Kim's Convenience. Have you ever seen that? Oh. No. Kim's Convenience. No. Oh my oh. god! Seriously, it's it's a so basically it's set in Canada. Um, it's about a convenience store run by a Korean family called the Kims. Mm. Um, serious. It's on Netflix. Five seasons. It you will absolutely laugh yeah. your ass off. The whole way through. We're we're watching it because I'm not working at the moment. We're watching it like it's it's only 20 minute episodes, so it's easy to just watch, smash through Mm. it. And we're up to season three again. And it is, I just because I'm watching it, I forgot how good it was. I just have to give it a mention on the show. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's oh, so good. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Check it. If you've got Netflix and got a spare weekend, just check it out. You'll If you like the community, if you like the stuff that you like, you will absolutely love Kim's yeah. Convenience. I have. Excellent. I'll check it out. Oh, there. Cool. Yeah. I thought I would just, Give them a, not that they sponsor the show, although I'd absolutely love it. But um, they, yeah, they, it's a really, really great show. Uh, but and speaking of speaking of um, speaking of good shows, um, what would be your zombie apocalypse plan if a zombie outbreak were to happen tomorrow? Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, I don't have a lot of zombie apocalypse like. Like, I don't have a lot of zombie apocalypse kind of knowledge in my head. Mm. So I feel like my plan would be, um, as is my plan in life generally, to stick near my husband. So he, because they can get him first. And he's very, very tall. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's tall. Not, 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 not so, not so that, not so that he can help you, but just so they can get him first. Well, he has, he has played The Last of Us many times. I feel like Excellent. he would be. I already like the guy of, already. <laughs> he he would be like on top of what it would mean. My um experience with zombies is limited to Shaun of the Dead. And so no. I mean oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure that would be very helpful as a primer for what to do no. in a zombie apocalypse. Well, though, go down, so. go down, not, go not down when, the pub. Not when the end of the... <laughs> yeah, and not 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 when the end of the movie is to have your best mate who's a zombie chained up in the in the shed so you can play video games. Even when he's a zombie, so that's yeah. oh, don't get yeah, don't get me started on Simon Pegg and Nick Frost because well, that's another podcast episode we'll do. They're brilliant, brilliant men. Um, but we have most most yeah. people from Australia. They go, they do what I would do, and I go to Bunnings. Yeah, go to Bunnings, yeah. lock myself in. I mean, you've got sausage sizzles. Uh, you've got you know as many tools and axes and. Things to mutilate and, and murder, and and then look when when food gets scarce, you just invite the local scout troop down to do a sausage sizzle, and you know there you got enough food for to last you for a little while, and off you go. I, I agree. You've got big roller yeah. doors that you can shut. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. See, that's yeah. right. You can come and join me, me and my I'll bunnings. Bring my husband. And we'll be fine. <laughs> bring your husband. Anyone's welcome to bunnings, and unless you're a zombie, then sorry, we're gonna have to kick you out. During during the Jamie pandemic, gets the, Jamie gets sorry. Oh, I was just going to say what your question reminded me of was that during the pandemic, my favourite kind of meme, um, and one of the best things the internet ever gave me at that point was this this me like a, a sort of series of photographs that someone had done, um, where. They were dre- like they were dressed up in full-on prepper zombie apocalypse mm-hmm. gear. Like they had the face mask yeah. mm-hmm. and they had the you know, guns on their back and whatever. But they were just sitting oh, around wow. the house really bored. And so they just <laughs> had it was hashtag I was told there would be zombies. Um, <laughs> so I thought, yeah, maybe, maybe it won't end with like zombies. It'll just end with us yeah. all bored inside our houses or something. Well, yeah, I think yeah. I think um, you know the I think COVID got us as close as we've ever been to a, a sort of a zombie outbreak. When yeah. you see, you know, I remember driving past Blacktown because I, I used to be an Uber driver, and um, yeah. during the pandemic, we were still obviously people still need to get places. So the business was booming because people didn't want to wait, go on a train of 100 people. They wanted to just get 
So the amount of times I drive past Blacktown Hospital, which is our local hospital here, and it looked like the site of, you know, you watch The Walking Dead or what happened before the outbreak, you know, tents and and people in hazmat suits and 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 it it, it is very, very scary. And you're just like mm-hmm. Wow, is this is this how it all starts? Is this how the beginning of the end starts? You know what I mean. My, um, my favorite pandemic meme was the two circles, and one said apocalypse, and the other one said having to go to work, and they're joined. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 yeah, like yeah. that was scary. But luckily, we're you know the two we stayed inside for two weeks, and everything was fine. So we're all, we're all good, but in terms of that, because we what we do want to get through, we want to start talking about you and your and your lovely book, Jamie. You get to ask my favorite yeah. question. So it's how kind yeah. I'm being to you. Um, uh, my favorite question I, of all time. This is, I think, this is a, the perfect question for our guests because it's it's mm-hmm. it's historical. We kind of know the way. answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Mr. Elon Musk calls you up and says, Jennifer. I know you're a fan of history. I've invented this electric time machine for you to test drive. Uh, what do you do? Where do you go? Well, firstly, I check. It's Elon Musk, right? So I check yes. that the time machine is going to bring me back to yeah. the current yes. time because I won't want to get stuck in history, yeah. I don't think. But yeah. I would go back to um, <clears throat> the Second World War and I would... Didn't I see would... that coming at all. Did not see that coming at all. <laughs> Uh, I said to Jamie, I said, Jamie, I bet you she's going to go for like Vietnam War or World War One, or even into the future, World War Three, which is going to happen soon. <laughs> I did not see you going to World War Two. Maybe I would go back, maybe not into World War Two because lots of terrible things happened mm. as well as remarkable, brave things. But maybe I'd go back to like 1939 and just before okay. September and say and warn them okay. and say, guys, <laughs> pay attention. Uh, would you, though? Would you, though? Because then you could come back and we could all have donuts for heads or something because the <laughs> butterfly right. effect. Always remember butterfly. the butterfly effect, you know? True, true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I would, go, I would go back. I wouldn't want to, I certainly wouldn't want to stay there, but um, I do spend a lot of my time reading about, um the the war and mm. social history it's about the war and so I would jump at the chance to live a bit of life there and and see and experience what it was um like for people in Britain in in World War II. Do you think do you um, think I know you said you'd sort of like to go back to 1939 do you think do you think it would be a, a good idea to go in, in serious, if we're being as serious mm. as we can be, uh, would you yeah. prefer to go back to before or or maybe just like a year after or six months after the end of World War II? So you could see, like you said, you wanted to see what kind of effect and it had on people at the time. Um, yeah. would, would you, do you think that would be more of a, a what you'd be after? Yeah, actually, well, what would be fascinating is going back. So we see the war as like 1939 to 1945, but we actually yeah. know that, um, even though the hostilities ceased on the whatever days in history in, in May and in August, depending on whether which theatre it was, we actually know that um, kind of like the pandemic, these things have a long tail. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, exactly, definitely. And, and we think about that final date of 1945, but actually 1946. There's still, especially in light of the pandemic and and sort of seeing these long tails on things, it would be really interesting to see what 
effects of the war were in in 46 and 47 yeah mm. and then there's there's that um story about that japanese guy that was i don't know which war it was but he was on an island somewhere still active for like 30 years yeah and, and oh, did yes. he didn't believe that the war was over and they had to get his general or whoever his commander was to go to that island and tell him it's over mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> Dedication so, to the cause, well that, isn't it? <laughs> I know, right? Well, that brings us to the end of the icebreaker section. Thank you very, very much for being candid and honest and and, and answering those. We like to, you know, it's, it's a nice way to warm up and give our listeners a chance to get to know you and get to know, you know, what, what you're all about and a, a bit about, you know, your personality. Um, but yeah, now now we get on to the we get on to the the nitty gritty. Why you're actually here? In 1932, the Australian Army declared war on 20,000 emus and lost. It's a part of Australian history that not many know about. Maybe that's because history is written by those who win. So if you want to hear the full story of the Great Emu War of 1932, then check out my book, Letters from the Emu War. Read letters, newspaper articles, and journal entries. With every turn of the page, you will gain a deeper understanding of the life and times of emus at war. So head on over to jabryden.com and grab a signed copy today. Obviously, we did touch on where it all started, but can you remember your very earliest memories of of sort of? You said you like to read it a lot, but when you when you actually realised, you know what? I really kind of think that this is what I want to do. This is it, it, when did it really become a passion that you Oops. think you know what? I'm going to start putting words mm-hmm. down. And, and was it through you know school through a history side of sense, or, or where did it all start? Yeah, I, well, I think history at school was really really important for for me. Um, mm-hmm. We had a quote on our staff room door um, of the history department that was, and I think it's a Churchill quote because that man has very many quotable quotes, but um, <clears throat> those who are ignorant of history are doomed to repeat its mistakes. Repeat it? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so, um, I, yeah, I think that was a, a sort of really embedded in in me to Make sure we're always looking to the past and thinking about the past, but um, and 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 learning and and not being ignorant of it, making sure we're we're avoiding the mistakes. But probably where this book, my first book, began, and sort of the idea that I really want to explore World War Two in multiple mm-hmm. stories, um, probably began with. Um, understanding more about my grandfather's experience in World War II. So my grandfather was a Lancaster bomber pilot in World War II. So that, I mean, maybe that means something to you, maybe it means something to your Mm. listeners, but what it means to me is that he was a a young man. He was 22, 23, and he Mm. volunteered for, he actually was a New Zealander, so he volunteered for the New Zealand Air Force. He learnt to fly. He was on his way to Singapore when Singapore fell and he got diverted to the UK. And there he learnt to fly. Like Lancasters are like this iconic aircraft of, of mm. World War II. 
and they're like this really cumbersome plane on the ground but very elegant in the sky and the 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 bombers that the um, RAF had in the beginning weren't really up for the job that they'd been given which was to um go uh you know uh, attack Germany so you know the the allies had held off the Germans in in the battle of Britain and the bombers were sort of taking the fight back to Germany and the planes weren't up to scratch at the beginning but when the Lancaster came along it was sort of a, a bit of a turning point and my grandfather like like 10,000 other Australians and like 125,000 other men um was it part of a crew in one of these planes, they would fly low and slow over enemy territory, under fire the whole time in sub-zero temperatures, drop their bombs, hold, some of them would hold steady for another 30 seconds while they took a photograph to make sure that they had, their bombs were on target and then they would nick off at home as fast as they could. Um of the 125,000 men who flew in a crew in Bomber Command, almost half of them died, which meant yeah. it's a toss of a coin whether yeah. or yep. not they come home. And if they did come home, they saw friends fall out of the sky. Mm -hmm. If they, they, they were at home, they, they saw that the people who went out didn't always come home. Yeah. I find that incredibly moving to think that people went and did that. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure... Um, I, I, I'm, I, that, I mean, that's, that's actually quite a, a noble sacrifice really when you think about it because those men, um, the ones who survived were often, uh, and this is true in my grandfather's case, really, it, I mean, that impacts you for the rest of your life when, when something like that of happens. Of course, yeah, PTSD um, and, and especially when you say that many, 50%. You know, you yeah. one one day you're you're you know you're sitting around having a feed with with your mates, and then the next day you come back and and potentially half of them are gone. I mean that mm. that can affect any yeah. yeah, wow. And also the work that they were doing was not. I mean that they it, it was work that they uh, had you know they were commanded to do as part of the armed forces. Yeah. So they did it under those circumstances. But in the end, this uh, strategy of strategic bombing that it was called um, during the war, uh, especially, um, uh, you know, after the war was won, it was really questioned as like, basically, you destroyed half of Europe in order to defeat mm. Hitler. We're very glad we've defeated Hitler, but let's not talk about yeah. the fact that we actually have destroyed a lot of Europe. Yeah. And certainly my grandfather's case, that was like, uh, that affected him for the rest of his life. He didn't. He didn't. He he, um, he was involved in raids that um, uh, caused a lot of damage. To, you know, documented caused a lot of damage and a lot of casualties. And he he didn't. It never sat right with him for the rest of his life. Mm. And then that trickles down to the next generation and and whatnot. So no, I can I can I had um my uh, my great. My great grandfather, um, Tom Delaney, was part of the. I think it was World War One. Part of the Rats of Trebrook. Um, yeah, he was part of those true. those soldiers that were were taken taken and and had to spend a very long time in a POW camp. Um, yeah. And and yeah, like he was he was you know I, I knew him 
as obviously I knew him as one person, but my grandmother said he was before he went away, he was the nicest, caring, most loving guy, you know, big, big burly, you know, wouldn't hurt a fly and he'd give you big hugs and everything. And then when he came back after that, you know, he was half the size of he was. Um, and just he he lasted, he ended up, you know, lasting a very long time. Unfortunately, some of his mates ended up taking their own lives because of what they went through. But he just, she just said, she goes, I really wish she used to tell me, I really wish you could have known the man mm-hmm. that he was yeah. because, yeah, it, it's the same thing, you know. I mean, how do you live with what they have to go through and, and the yeah. sacrifices that they made so that we've got the life that we've got today? Yeah. And I think that humans humans rally and are resilient and everyone has a different kind of experience of these things but it was sort of thinking about my um my grandfather's experience and researching that and coming across this story um in history that hadn't ended well for the couple involved and I thought I want to write them a happy ending and so that's kind of where this my most recent book my, my debut book was um that that's where that began excellent awesome um well i think we'll segue into because b- before we dive into everything and all, all about the book and all that uh yeah. we, just, we just want to know some of your influences um mm-hmm. who are your favorite authors uh where do you draw inspiration from in your writing Ooh. style that sort of thing yeah um, well, okay, so favourite authors, I'm good. There's, there's two, I read a lot and um, I read fiction and, and non-fiction, um, but I'm going to put down as two of my favourite authors for different reasons. Um, so there's a writer called Sarah Sundon and she writes World War II romance, it's very similar to me. Um, but she's an American and so she's writing from, you know, she's writing about the American armed forces. But her research, man, I had a chat with her and her she is just like, my notes are all over the place. <laughs> I've got like notebooks and then I've got a little bit of my Scrivener file and then I've got like this Word document with a whole lot of links pasted into it. But man, her research is like, hang on, let me just draw up my bibliography for you. And like, here, <laughs> here are my researches. This is just on the American Navy. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. her her research is very thorough and that comes through in her book, but also her process, like the writer's process behind it. I'm like, Wolfie, Wolfie, yeah. you're amazing. <laughs> so she, <laughs> she um, uh, uh, is definitely one of um, my big influences and then there's another author another American author called Rosanna White Rosanna M White and she writes um for the the Christian market in um the United States and I um was I I I I dabble in that genre I I write in that genre now but it's because I read her book and I um, I, I read this book that had such an authentic kind of faith to the character that didn't mean that the plot was diminished and the character was uh, diminished and it was so beautifully romantic as well. And um, I'd, never, I'd never seen anything written for the, the, 
not that I had this mass at that time had this massive kind of experience of 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 the Christian fiction market, but I'd certainly never cross come across anything that had all those things, like had an exciting plot and had these deep characters that had this like authentic, not preachy kind of faith arc to it. And also um like just turn page, turn page, turn page, turn page, and with Sweeney romance and everything like that. So uh, so she was a big influence because once I read her, I thought, mm-hmm. this can be done. It can be this this, mm-hmm. this is great. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, I would put those down as those down as my influences. And also, you know, there's um uh a few uh, Australians, Kelly Rimmer, mm. Kate Morton, their kind of prose um, is, you know, you might, you know, aspire to write prose like them, I think. Mm. So, um, yeah, are those, so literary speaking, that those would be my influences, I suppose. Is that what you meant? Yeah. Yeah. That does, does yeah, now. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Open for interpretation, like a, a lot of, lot of, lot of history. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, what came first, all the research, or or did you have a developing plot for this this book? Um, how did you approach it? I write romance. So, what came first was this kiss. <laughs> that oh I had. my. I know, right? I will say I write Hope, sweet... Hopefully with your husband, I'm, I'm guessing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, do, so you know, do you know about the scales of romance? Um, I know, romance... okay, so what I know about romance, romance writing is there's usually a guy on the front cover with no shirt on, um, yeah. very windswept, long hair flowing in the wind. The, the woman is normally draped across his leg. He's normally a pirate. Uh, a, a farmer's boy or a, uh, you know, some sort of a Civil War revolutionary or something like that. And and the, the titles usually don't make sense and they go on for about seven and a half pages. Um, yes. that's like the, the billionaire secret nanny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then normally, you know, like the, the, the guys look like Fabio on the front cover. And it's yeah. either I've no shirt or the shirt's open like buttons and, you know, his boobies are out. So, yeah. <laughs> Man, That's what I know about you. romance writing. <laughs> well, I and like, I, I, yeah, Jamie? I, I only know about emu romance writing. Um. <laughs> oh, self, way, way to plug yourself, Jamie. Excellent. excellent I'm just excellent. saying. I'm just saying. I'm waiting for it. I was waiting for it. I was waiting. How are you going to work <laughs> emus into romance? <laughs> but then, then, then you would find a way. Yeah, is, I love it. it. Yeah. I love well, it. Te- well, te- the- technically, I wrote historical fiction. I'm just saying. Did you yeah. write a book, Jamie? I never would have guessed. I never would have guessed you wrote a book, Jamie. After, um, once I write a book, when I write a book, I'm going to plug it with every yeah. ounce of my self that's yeah. yes, that, but that's anyway, what you continue. Do. Anyway, <laughs> enlighten us about the the levels of romance. Well, and... <laughs> look, so romance is um is a very wide. Think of romance as a genre, more like Netflix. So it's got something for everyone, oh, and it's got okay. every different taste you can imagine, including the you know long haired shirtless guy, windswept windswept <laughs> guys, I suppose. But um, Henry it's sort of like yeah. <laughs> There's sort of like a Sorry. scale. 
of heat in romance, right? And mm-hmm. so you've got this like this is like widely discussed among romance writers. This okay. is not a secret. Mm-hmm. So you've got a number zero, you've got like Amish romance, which is, you know, where they might glance across a crowded room at each other. And then at number five, it's usually like flames or chili peppers or something that they, yeah. they relate Ooh. to. Number five, it's like, you know, erotic romance or whatever. It's got uh, everything. Probably Rebecca Castles, Ryan. Just yeah. <laughs> and the Rising Dawn series available now on Amazon. <laughs> There you go. Like an yeah, something for everyone, as I yeah. say. Yeah. Um, but mine are like one and a half, one uh, and a half, yeah. like levels of, of heat. So so that's like a few toe curling kisses in there. So like, and that's um, what, like what, what is it? Uh, what's the movie? Uh, Wedding Singer, Church Tongue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jamie. Okay. It just came what to me, right? First, what came first was yeah. this um, this kind of moment that I'd, I'd researched in history uh, around um, a crew who'd come home from Germany and they had to, there's something wrong with their elevator control of their plane, which meant they couldn't adjust the height and they had to do all these other kind of manipulations of the controls in order to land the plane. And I, um, they ended up doing it. On, they had the runways cleared. They ended up doing it while the pilot's girlfriend was watching from the radio control tower and they were radioing into the control tower. And in history, it didn't work out very well. And I thought to myself, I would love to write those people, but I didn't really know anything about them. I'd write that. I want to write that happy ending. I want to write, mm. I want to write that kiss after they survive that plane crash. And so that's... Um, that's kind of in the book. I mean, the the people, it's my made up people that I sort of wrote into that story. It's it's not really about it's not really about that, but that came first. That yeah. story and that romance, and that's what World War Two kind of has as a setting. It's got all these like yeah. amazing kind of moments that you can set a romance against, and so that's yeah, it's kind of what came first. Cool. So I've got a question that's not on the books. Did you did you actually? And I like to ask this. Um, obviously, you know, you, you, yes, yes, it is. It's, it's a romance story, but it's also a historical romance story set in in World War Two times. Was there? Did you actually go aside from researching online, which is amazing, and we can find out everything we need to know about everyone? <laughs> um, did you actually go out to any sites or any? Obviously, living in Canberra, you've got you know the Australian War Museum, the War Memorial there, which is fantastic. Um, but did you did you actually go out and and talk to people, or did you actually go and visit any particular sites? Not necessarily overseas, but um, you know to get kind of a vibe of, of of that time that you could set this story in? Well, in a sense, yes. So mm-hmm. I did go to England in, the, in 2019. So it's set on a okay. Bomber Command station in Lincolnshire, in yep. um, which is where all the bomber stations were in 1942. And I did go to England in 2019 and I was writing this book when this book was a very different book to the book mm-hmm. okay. that it turned out to be. And so um, I actually went and, and looked at a few places in the West Country because I thought that that's where the book was going to be set at that point. So that's like mm-hmm. Devon and Cornwall and whatnot. Um, and so I didn't end up going to uh, Lincolnshire and whatnot um, 
I wish that I had because very soon after I got home, the borders were closed (laughs) and I haven't been able to go back. That Um, magical COVID. (laughs) Yeah. But that that being said, um, I mean, we do have some great uh, resources in Australia for visiting and the War Memorial has like the Lancaster... um, yeah, I do. Uh, Bomber, the G. George Bomber is in the War Memorial, so, you know, you could go yeah. in and see that, which is really, like, you know, it's really quite tactile going up to see um, a beast of a machine like that. Um, so, yeah, that that was good. I wish I'd got this. Some amazing, what I would love to do is there, um, there are some amazing air shows in England with um, every summer they hold them and, they have reenactors who uh, I've started following on Instagram. And in fact, one of the, um, look, this is, my, this is the book, Heart in the Clouds. And um, mm-hmm. this uh, is Maggie, my heroine, if you like. But it's actually a costumed reenactor from uh, one of the air shows in um, okay. England. And she is, uh, her name's, um, her Instagram handle is the 1940s Adventurist and she's got lots of um, uh, WAF uniforms and like the kind of all these other reenactors, they 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 collect the uniforms, they, they're living historians, they make yeah. sure that everything's yeah. kind of right and then they go and, you know, reenact being air crews at events and stuff like that. I wish I had gone to that. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's on my bucket list. <laughs> I go, would love yeah. to do that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, no, I'm the same. I love reenactments. There used to be a festival over the mountains, again, killed by COVID, uh, called mm. Iron Fest. And it was it was World War II reenactments, Civil War reenactments. Um, they'd get a little bit funny with um, a tank versus a horse in the jousting where, where you ride past and you've got to spin the, spin the timber thing around so many times. The tank could go past with the joust and... <laughs> But um, it was it was fantastic. Um, so they had World War Two at Iron Fest. Actually, I mean, it, it's not a thing yeah. anymore, is it? But no, it, it's yeah. it, that was struggling before COVID. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why because there was that many people there all the time. Um, a guy, a guy, two or three houses door, uh, two or three houses up from me. Uh, he used to go and drive. He had a little. Uh, it wasn't a tank. It was like a. a it was wasn't quite a jeep, but it was it was a military vehicle from World War Two, and he'd drive up there and show off his car. So yeah, yeah, they said yeah, it's very very hard to come by that sort of stuff in Australia now. It feels like so. You know, if your listeners are World War Two reenactors, can mm. can they get in touch and tell me where I can go to see that in Australia? That'd be awesome. Yes. Um. Yes, if there's any if there's any fans of history out there, please send us an email <laughs> to the true and the fictional at gmail.com. Um, and we'll pass any info info on to you, Jennifer. Thank you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> um, let's talk about the characters. Um obviously yeah. there's Maggie. Yes. Uh, so who's the flyboy? Um so is, the- is, is is he is he Tom Cruise? Uh <laughs> is he Henry Cavill? Very- <laughs> Almost, he's like the Henry Cavill yes, okay. of his day, I reckon. Oh he's my god, like... I like the book. Yeah. That's, that's that's twice. Right. That's twice because our, our sponsor's got a character character modelled off Henry Cavill. Are you wow. saying you've modelled one off Henry Cavill? 
Uh, I did it. I I did. Why would you not? <laughs> I mean, why would you not? He's a very that man is, man is not human. <laughs> well, yeah. so his 1940s equivalent is Clark Gable, and so okay. my character looks like Clark Gable very much, oh, and he yeah. thinks he's all that, and so he's an Australian bomber pilot. He's just sort of moved um, air his uh, to a different station. And on a night out, he meets our heroine, Maggie, mm. um, in, uh, and she, like, you know, it's a romance. So she's immediately, mm. she's immediately drawn to him, but she's just had a bad breakup. So she's like, look, if I can just get through this night and not talk to this guy, I'll just never have to worry about him again and I'll go off and do my job and it'll be fine, mm. except he's been um, transferred to the same air station as her. So she ends mm. up having to speak to him all the time. Now, oh he, <laughs> yeah, he makes some bad choices, I'm going to say, because he makes a bet that he can get this girl who really doesn't want to have anything to do with him um, to kiss him before the end of the year as a bet with his um, air crew. And it's a despicable thing to do, just putting yeah. that out there. Um, but um, I'd say it's historically accurate. Um, yeah. <laughs> just saying. I think there was a bit of that going on. Yeah. And, um, but he ends up getting so much more, I suppose, than he, he bargained mm. for. And, um, within that and she's not you know she's not impressed with that behavior at all so um, she's not having a bar of, of that kind of thing but um it's in pursuing her that he sort of starts to to think about more about purpose and meaning and and why he's in the war and whatnot I don't know how much I should say <laughs> well it's it's your book uh I think yeah. it's I think tease, teasing works well just a little bit of you know yeah you don't want to give away the whole movie like a Marvel trailer. Um. <laughs> well, it's a romance, so everyone yeah. knows how it's going to yeah. end. Um, but, yeah, there's a few surprises and there's a lot of kind of, you know, if you love historical detail, as I do yeah. in my books, then there's all, this, all these details of living and working on a bomber command yeah. station. There's a lot of food details because one of the things I do in my content and copywriting is recipe development and food mm. writing, and so... I'm just super interested in yeah. the food of the day and looking through all the uh, historical recipes and whatnot. So there's yeah. a bit of food detail as well as life on a bomber station and that kind of military detail of um, uh, you, you, uh, the Air Force. Yeah. Um, I I like my people are made up, but my events and places are real. So, um, yeah. So uh, are there are there actual references to real events that happen? Like is there a timeline that this an exact timeline that this is based around? Yeah, absolutely. So 467 Squadron is the squadron that um Alec is part of. And um if you know your World War II history, 467 Squadron is an Australian, uh, like an RAAF squadron that was formed in the end of 1942 and disbanded in 1945. So it is just in that period okay. of the war. And um, the behind-the-scenes detail of the book is that everything in relating to 467 Squadron is is true. So um, it took wow. they had terrible weather at first and their first air raid was laying mines and 
they they did um, partake in the, this first um, air raid over Essen, um, which sort of kicked off the main portion of the Battle of the Ruhr, which is the industrial area over Germany during the war. So, yeah, all that sort of historical detail is cool. absolutely true to the timing of 467 Squadron. And you just inserted your characters into that era. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I geek out on those sort of details. Like, I, you're not alone. You're can not, you tell? You're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about this book? Um, Look, you'll like, if you like um, historical fiction you'll like it if you like sweet romance you'll like it if you don't so there is a kind of a thread of I'm going to call it there is a thread of faith going through this book Mm -hmm. so if you're not so if you you enjoy those big questions about meaning and purpose and um then then you'll like you'll like this book I think Mm -hmm. um a lot of the reviews have said that um, the characters feel like friends and, I mean, it's such a compliment, right, mm. when you're a writer, but if people have said that, you know, they don't want to leave your people and they yeah. wonder about your people yeah. and your people. You get that investment uh, in those characters, yeah. Yeah. But imaginary friends, like I, you know, wake up in the <laughs> early morning to to sort of play with these imaginary friends before my children get up each day. So mm. um, that that's it's 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 that kind of book it's historical detail sweet romance um yeah I don't I, 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 that's what I have to say but like yeah this is this is the cover sort of sums it up all cool. really that's what I have to say that's all I have to yeah. say I think awesome. <laughs> Bye. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, before we get to before we get to like where we can get it, where yeah. our listeners can follow you, all that kind of thing. Are you working yeah. on anything else at the moment? Are you working on uh, another book, perhaps, or what's, is there anything you can the, talk what's about? What's the there? next? What's the next historical yeah, setting what's, you're what, going to go What's into? the next project? <laughs> well, I couldn't. They are my historical friends, so I couldn't entirely let them go. So I have to. A sequel there. Oh. I have to write the, the there's a, a character called Grace who's uh, Maggie's best friend mm. in, in this and I had to give her her own story. Oh and spin-off. So yes, indeed. Um and so that is set not at a bomber command station, but at a oh it's a a made-up setting mm-hmm. um of a map making facility. So during World War II, there was a there was a top secret military facility um, where they made the maps that the um, bomber pilots used, and they sort of mm-hmm. they got the reconnaissance photo, they stripped out all the details, and they painted the maps in like purple, which the pilots could see in the dark cockpits, and they just had the detail of where you need to hit, not the schools, not the churches, not anything else, just the topographical details and where they needed to hit. And that was so top secret that no one knew that it had existed until the 1990s when a guy who had worked there brought his grandchild 
and was telling him about, like, like it was a house open to the public, was telling him about what he did during the war and was overheard by one of the tour guides. And that's when all these stories came out about how this facility had been used. And so my, my facility is not quite as top secret as that, but um, it definitely has, uh, it has that. And someone has been sent to spy on Grace because they think she's uh, leaking secrets. Mm. And uh, my American who has been sent to spy on her can't mm. help but fall in love with her. Oh, excellent. Awesome. But there are... <laughs> awesome. <laughs> There's more to it than that, yeah. but, you know. Of course, yeah. <laughs> How do you, uh, how do you, uh, you know, spot, uncover her secrets without blowing your cover or falling in love? Yeah. I think is the hook there. Awesome. Um, look, there's just one little subtopic I want to talk about before we let you go. Uh, just, yeah. just came to me because look, um, I'm a, I'm a diehard fan of history. Uh, we have a friend um, who's a filmmaker, Matthew Matthew Holmes. Matthew, if you're watching, hello. Um, <laughs> he's he's done a fantastic movie called The Legend of Ben Hall, uh, which was like eight years ago. I think it came out. Um, but he's like me that when I watch a movie that's a historical movie and things start, to, that's not right. That's not like, do, do you get annoyed when you watch history stuff and you're going like, that's not accurate? Is that is that what you, the mind, do you have that mindset too? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, you know, when I'm writing, I just, I would hate to think that anyone had that sort of feeling about my yeah. um, book, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I am. Um, I can't, I like, I like to, I like at least when they call out if they're doing something that is anachronistic yeah. or something, they're giving you a reason why. Yeah. And, but they, re- they rarely they, never do. <laughs> no. No, they don't. No. They don't. Um, yeah. so um Pearl Harbor yay or nay <laughs> I did watch it recently you did watch it oh wow okay and I just there's some there's actually something about that film that is so bad it's good <laughs> in the sense that I watch it and go I know I shouldn't enjoy this because there's so many anachronisms. It's 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 the romance, right? Yeah. I really enjoy it. Yeah. I think my favorite one was um not to do with the military, but it's to do with the fact that she's a nurse at the beginning. And yeah. like when she's a nurse, like she's giving injections or whatever else she's doing, she's got this hair flowing yeah. down, this little cap and this hair flowing down. Yeah. And then she goes on a night out and she's all tied up. And I'm like, yeah. actually. No, <laughs> it would have been when <laughs> I was in your head, yeah. Michael Bay. It would have been the opposite in yeah. real life. But <laughs> yeah, anyway, no. did did you watch Midway? Yes, yes. Um, I really enjoyed that as a film. Yeah i i enjoy <laughs> I enjoyed it, but it didn't have enough romance for me. Uh, <laughs> so maybe that's yeah. why I don't enjoy yeah. Pearl Harbor so much. Um, but no. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they kind of got the state that, yeah, they, they got all the, the beats of of history yeah. in, in that. As far as I know, I don't know a great deal yeah. about Midway necessarily, but, yeah, um, I think that they sort of reacted to Pearl Harbor and went, let's yeah. just cut the romance because we've got yeah. so much black in Pearl yeah. Harbor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Focus on the planes. Uh, yeah, I think it was the answer to answer to Pearl Harbor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, 
All right, one more thought because this I want this to be a movie, and it's really hard yeah. to find a book on it. But there was a guy called Have you heard of Mad Jack Churchill? No. He fought in World War Two with a bow and arrow and a broadsword. Like he was where? the only, like oh, I don't know where he was. He he was Pacific British. Or, yeah. Um, I I'll you know what I'll find out right oh. now, and I'll edit it. It's so just Mad I, Jack. I, Mad Jack Mad Churchill. Jack Churchill. Awesome. Um, I just fascinated yeah. with it. Like he, he escaped a POW um, camp, um, and he was um, yeah, he got it. The war the war was over by the time he escaped, and then he remembered he said him he said something along the lines of, "This war would still be going if not for those darn Americans." <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. So he enjoyed right. fighting. Yes, okay. Tally ho. Yeah. Um, yeah, wow. British Columbia. Uh, oh, wow. He did, died aged 89 in 1996. Wow. Uh, wow. And it was so definitely World War II. Broadsword and, and a, a bow and arrow. He's the, only and one, arrow. he's the only one with a confirmed <laughs> bow kill in World War II <laughs> uh, for obvious reasons. <laughs> To make it easier on the listeners, I'll find an article. I'll put the link in the show notes and I'll forward it to you, Jennifer. Um, but Jamie, I reckon, I reckon that's your next project. I oh. reckon after your emus, <laughs> the emu war, you can uh, focus on Mad Jack. That'd be awesome. Mad Jack, yeah. I do, I do love uh, the story of Hori the war dog as well. Yeah. Yeah, refresh my memory on, on that was one. A, I know a few It was a ones. terrier. It was a terrier. Um, uh, in uh, I yeah, World War Two. Um, he mm. was found in Egypt, mm. and he'd listened to the uh, planes fly. He, he could hear the planes coming before they got bombed, so you know, it was, saved a lot of people. But then he got smuggled back into Australia. Yeah, because as you as you know, animals are not allowed on the ships to come back home. So they train this little, you know, Jack Russell-sized dog to stay in an army pack and be completely quiet. <laughs> and he got him all the way back to Australia. Then they found out that they got him all the way back to Australia and they said, you've got to put him down. But uh, the guy... I'm so glad you said but. <laughs> <laughs> but the guy, yeah, the guy said, he fought against it, said, look, um, I've I've been to the vet, like he's got... There's no diseases or anything, but this is not, not, you still got to put him down. So, what he actually did is he swapped him with a dog from the pound. And, <laughs> and so, he wasn't happy about it, but this is a, a war hero dog. And he's just like, so they put down a different dog. Um, yeah. And he lived yeah. a, long, a long, happy life. Um, that's fantastic. But that's, I want to see that, that, that as a movie too. But, um, yeah. Yeah. With Henry, Henry Cavill as a dog. <laughs> in case you can't tell, we met, we reference Henry Cavill a lot in this podcast. Um. I I will say I I think maybe it was the episode just before this one or, or the one of your most recent ones. It was called something about shirtless Cavill. Oh, shirtless thought, Cavill. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's our main. Ain't show. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> How, um, for those listening, we do have three types of episodes on this podcast. We have a comic book podcast called The Middle Ages Comic Hour. Uh, we have our main show where, with our good friend Chris. Um, you, you may probably know, um, Jennifer, things we grew up in the same circles. Um, 
Chris. He, he does, yeah, he, we can't say his last name because he's of his, you know, he's got a stage I'm, name. But, right. But, but you know what? I'll say it now and I'll bleep it out. Um, yes. Yes, I thought that I was about to say yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's on the main show. He's on the main show, and and he's very controversial and makes weird jokes. And I basically just pick a title out of something that we say within the um, yeah. episode, the, yeah. the long episode. Yeah, and then obviously we awesome. do story chat as well. Um, yeah, yeah, cool. And we like to go on tangents, as people probably know from this episode. <laughs> well, uh, tangents are the best, right? Like I don't know, a good bit of chat is always a good thing. I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> Hundred percent. Um, all right. Let our listeners and our viewers know where where can they buy Heart in the Clouds? Well, it's available wide. So it's available from all the online retailers, including the big Amazon. Um, and you can also buy it from me if you're in Australia from my website, which is jennifermissmorgan.com. Awesome. We'll put all of that information in the show notes. Um, thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on. Thank you. I've had a great chat. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, as always. You're very welcome. As always, uh, if you want to reach out, if you're an author and you want to come on the podcast, uh, the true and the fictional at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram, stories underscore podcast. And we will catch you next time. See you next time.